So we are in our, our series on the book of Philippians. This is our third week. It's supposed to be our second. So a few weeks back, for those of you that were here, we kind of called an audible and we ended up not doing a sermon. Uh, God had different plans in play for that, that weekend and it was amazing. Uh, but we, we kind of called an audible, didn't do a sermon. It was supposed to be our first week. So it threw off the timing of things a little bit. Uh, so Dustin, a couple weeks back, started the series. Joel was supposed to speak week three, uh, but um, I was supposed to speak week two. Joel was already coming. So we're going to go in reverse. Can we, can we flip it back? We're going to go in reverse. Uh, so Joel spoke on the, the chapters two, the beginning of chapter two. And he did a phenomenal job. I'll tell you, if, if you weren't here, uh, please go back and check it out. It was so good. Dustin kicked off strong with week one. And that way you can get caught up in the series and kind of know the whole book as we go through it together. So this is technically week two. We're going to get into the second half of chapter one. It has a lot in it. And I really hope I can, I can do somewhat justice because there's such richness in this uh, passage of scripture. So we're going to go to Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. We're going to go to, to, we're going to cover to 26 today, but I'm going to read a few to get us started uh, because I know it's nine o'clock. And if I read like 14 scriptures in a row, you guys are just going to be snoozing on me. So uh, we're going to start with a couple and we'll work our way through. So verse 12 Read with me. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances, and I'll pause here because if you've missed prior weeks, uh, it's important to kind of know the context right now. Paul is writing this. Uh, he is in prison. So his circumstances are him stuck sitting in prison. I don't know about you, but less than ideal circumstances here. And so that's where he's at. Think about that. Stuck, sitting in prison. Uh, my mentality, your mentality, the emotions you might be going through, uh, put yourself in that place because that's where Paul is as he's writing this to the church of Philippi. So he says that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Well, that's not what you would expect. The greater progress, I'm in prison, but the greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment is the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, but the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ 
is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. So for today, the title of my message is going to be, I choose Christ. I choose Christ. Before we go any further, let's pray together. Can we do that? God, we love you. You are so amazing. We know that you are all-powerful, all-knowing. You want good. You want good for us. You know what's to come. You know our past, but yet you love us so much that you would die on a cross for us, for our sins, so that we could spend eternity with you. We thank you. We come from a place of gratitude this morning. And God, because you've given your all, I choose to give you my all. Open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts. Speak through me today, Lord Jesus. Speak your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Have you ever been in any time in your life, have you ever been in circumstances less than ideal? By a show of hands, we got to wake up somehow. Yeah, all of us, right? I mean, at some point, you're in circumstances that are less, less than ideal. Uh, you know, we could go through the room and we could cover a lot of different things, a lot of different circumstances. But, uh, you know, you didn't get that job you wanted. So it's like, ah, and now you're in kind of a funk, you know, lost your job. Now you're worried about making sure everything's covered and the health insurance and, you know, make sure everyone's good. Uh, maybe it's relational. Uh, maybe the spouse and you aren't getting along super well and it's not an awesome feeling walking into the door. Friends, family, just things aren't quite right. You know, we could go on and on where we find ourselves in, in this life and circumstances that sometimes just aren't awesome, right? It, it kind of sucks, to be honest. I mean, sometimes you're just like, man, what is going on right now? I don't know what the deal is, but this, this is not cool. And here we have Paul in one of those circumstances. He's stuck in prison. Now, Paul... He's, he's like the great apostle. So like what he does is he travels from place to place, city to city, because he has been called to spread the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done. This is still relatively new news for these people at this time. This is about somewhere between 60, 62 A.D., so about 30 years after Christ was crucified and, and resurrected, he's out here trying to spread the news of that. And, and this is to non-Jew or, or Gentile people that um, are new to this, this God thing. You know, they, their gospel was Caesar. You know, this was mostly Romans that we're talking about here. And that's what they knew. They put their trust in Caesar, and he's trying to say, hey, there's, the, there's something more here. There's, there's freedom in this Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. And he's trying to spread the news. This is what he does. 
he travels and spreads the news. It's kind of hard to travel and spread the news when you're stuck and confined to prison, right? It's, uh, you know, you think about, you know, your profession, what it is that you do, right? Dan, it's hard to sell peppers if you can't grow them peppers. You know, it's just not working. What is going on? I was going to say a really corny one. I'm just going to go with it, guys. Um, it's like being a handyman with no hands, you know? Like, yeah. It's like working remotely like so many do now with no Wi-Fi, right? And if that's true, it's our little secret. But come on, guys. Like, uh, but yeah, that's his situation. He's, he's in a circumstance that's kind of, you would think, holding him back from doing what he's supposed to be doing. We have a couple different options, don't we, when we find ourselves in these circumstances? One, we kind of just, well, tough luck. We kind of wallow in our, our sadness and our, our situation. And well, you know, I, I would if I could, but yeah, I'm here in prison. Or we can choose to put our trust in God, knowing that he is almighty, he is all-powerful, he knows what's to come, he has a good plan for you and I, and we have to just trust that even though right now in these circumstances, I'm going to trust that he knows what's going on, that he knows best, and I can, fi- I can find that uh, comfort and peace in that. See, faith is not based on our emotions and our feelings, right? I mean, because we'd be so up and down, out of whack. But, but it's a really cool thing to say, but when you find yourself in it, isn't it really easy to find yourself on the roller coaster up and down? But faith, faith, is about that trust, that complete trust and confidence in God and who he is. So there's a few things I want to pull away from Paul in this passage. Uh, I've got three of them that I want to share with you guys. And so the first one is choose Christ over your circumstances. This is where we're going to linger most of our time today. But choose Christ over your circumstances. See, Paul, like we were talking about, he, you would think he's stuck in prison. Done deal kind of screws things up. Like, I'm supposed to be spreading this thing and moving and shaking, and I'm stuck here. But when we look at, when we look at the scripture that we read, we see that that's not the case. Peter's stuck in prison, so what does he start to do? He starts to spread the gospel to to the guards of the prison that he's stuck in. And so we read that it's starting to spread to the guards that's overseeing him. He's in a situation where he probably would never have an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people, but here he is. And he's taking this opportunity 
to do what he's called to do. It doesn't look like what he thought it would look like. He thought he'd be out moving and traveling, but here he is. He finds himself in this circumstance, and so he's still going to do what he's called to do, even though the circumstances look different than what he expected. So now all these these prison guards are beginning to, to know about Jesus Christ and the Messiah, and, and he's a savior, and he's got this good news for us. And not only that, it also reads in here uh, that it not only started to spread throughout the Praetorian Guard, but it also began to spread to everyone else as well. So now it's, it's breaking outside of the prison walls, and now it's spreading out throughout the city. He's stuck in prison, but all of a sudden, the news keeps spreading about Christ. There, there's conversation going on in the city. Hey, have you heard about this Paul dude? He's like stuck in prison, and he's talking about this Jesus Christ guy. He feels so strongly about this Jesus Christ guy that he would go to prison, and, and I mean, put his life on the line because death is a real possibility for Paul right now. And so they're talking, man, why would you, who would you, like to go to that extent to go to prison for this Christ, this message that he's sharing, that's pretty radical, man. Like, wow. And there's also news spreading about his innocence, that he's stuck in prison. And this guy, all he's doing is, is talking about this good news. But here he is. He finds himself here. And this doesn't seem right. And you, know, you guys know how things begin to spread. It's like it's this good news that begins to spread, even though he's stuck in prison. So he said, even though I'm stuck in prison, the gospel will progress. It will advance. If we go back to verse 6 here in chapter 1, Paul said, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it. Other translations say, will complete it. If he started it, he will complete it. Paul's saying this. He knows this. He says, you know what? He started it. I find myself in this circumstance, but I know I know he will complete it. In verse 9, he says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge in all discernment. Well, what kind of knowledge are we talking about? We're talking about eight, Romans 8.28 kind of knowledge, where it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We sing that song, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. That's what we're talking about here. Even though the circumstances look grim, he still works for good. He still is doing things. He's still advancing the gospel. So not only is Paul in prison and he's doing his thing and he's doing what he's called to and he's spreading the gospel, 
We also read that the believers are speaking the word of God with more courage, without fear. So, hey, our leader, he's uh, in prison for spreading the gospel. Um, you guys want to do the same thing? Like, that doesn't make a whole, a whole lot of sense, right? Like, he just got thrown into prison for spreading the news about Jesus Christ. You would think they would just kind of maybe quiet down, backpedal. Like, it's not great advertisement to, hey, keep doing what I did because you'll find yourself in prison, right? But that's not what we read. They, they had more courage to spread the good news of God. See, sometimes, sometimes we just need that one person to take that first step of faith. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, it seems crazy at the time, but then like someone courageous enough takes that step, and you're like, all right, I see you. And then maybe, maybe you're like, you see a second one, and then bop, you're up and you're going, right? You, like, there's, there's this backbone that kind of forms as you see that taking place. Paul is leading the way, and they're seeing that. And not only that, they're seeing that it's working because the gospel is spreading. The circumstance wouldn't call for it. You wouldn't think. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. But what we see happening is that it's spreading regardless. And so they're like, all right, let's do this. Let's, they're, they're jumping in. Let's do this. So Paul is speaking to that. He's, he's hearing word that they're speaking more courageously. But Paul, as the leader, I also think has maybe some other motive here as well. Sometimes as leaders, you have to build up. You have to encourage. You have to try to, come on, let's do it. You're good. Let's do this. And I think part of this is Paul saying, hey, Church of Philippi, I know we have adversaries out there. We have forces kind of working against us, but don't get discouraged. Stay focused on what we're doing, on the calling, on the mission to spread the good news of Christ so I think Paul is just leading well here. He's speaking it out for those that are following him. So prison's not the only circumstance, the, the only bad circumstance that we read about here for Paul. We also read that there are these people, these envious, selfish people that are out while he's stuck in prison they're out talking their mess about them. That never feels good, right? There's these people out here, and they're cutting him down so that they can try to lift themselves up. Paul clearly has a lot of influence right now, and it's picking up more and more all of this influence that he has. And so we read about these envious people that while he's stuck, they're going to use this as an opportunity to cut him down so maybe we can get some influence around here. Now, that just doesn't sound like our world today, to cut people down. And, you know, we, we see so much of it all over the place. Uh, I mean, gosh, you go on social media for half a second, and you're seeing cutting down for benefit for their, their own self, selfish ambition. And it's not only social media. 
It's, it's not only what we see and hear on television with all the things going around in our world today, but it also is happening when we're hanging out with our friends and we're talking about things, about people judging, cutting people down because we've got our own issues, but it makes us feel better to cut someone else down. So we have to make sure we check we check ourselves and our heart posture, where we're at. I like, um, I like what Joel said last week. He kind of defined selfish ambition. He said selfish ambition is assuming that the blessings of God are a limited commodity. I really liked that little line. He squeezed it in there, but I was like, oh, I actually had to go back and get the whole line because it was so brief. But I, I loved that. Assuming... That, that his blessings are a limited commodity. I don't want to live my life in that way. But even though these people are out here and they're, they're talking uh, about Paul and trying to cut him down, they clearly have the wrong motives. It's interesting Paul's stance on this. His stance is, yeah, that's all right, because... Christ is still being proclaimed. He's focused on the main thing. He's not getting hung up in the little feelings that we have and getting all twisted up about secondary things. He is focused on, hey, I am supposed to be spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And even though maybe their motives aren't right, the news of Jesus Christ is spreading. And so he keeps the main thing, the main thing. He keeps the focus. And I want to challenge us this morning. What are the, the little things that you get hung up on? What are the secondary things that get you twisted up when it comes to building relationships with people? where we can say, hey, you know what? We're more alike and we're more aligned than we are on our differences, our little differences. And, and again, Joel spoke on unity so well last week, but hey, instead of continuing to divide over the little silly, stupid things, can we just come together on the big main things and pull together and unite, right? Yes. We, we'll all be so much better off as a result of it, we'll be able to do more things through it. Let's come together. Let's not continue to divide over the small little things. Now, in Galatians chapter 1, Paul, uh, he, he actually calls out false teaching. Unlike we see here, Paul's just kind of like, yeah, it's cool. They're, they're spreading the gospel. They're spreading the news about Jesus Christ. Well, in Galatians, there's a different approach. He was like, whoa, this is a serious, serious problem. We're, we're teaching things that aren't right, that are going to confuse. It's going to get us messed up more than help us here. And so there was this different approach. And so what that leads me to believe here in Philippians is that even though they had the wrong motives, their content was accurate. Their content was good. And we can say the right things and have the wrong motives, right? We can say the right things but have the wrong motives at times. We can do 
good things, say good things, but have selfishness behind it where we're trying to gain through it. I just had a lunch with a close friend of mine, haven't seen him for a little while, and so we were catching up, and we had some good, deep conversation, and uh, he was sharing all this good stuff, like everything he was saying, I was like, yes, yes, that's great. Like, I can, I can tell, like, he's thinking well, he's thinking clearly, he's, he's where he needs to be, and he, he kind of, he stopped and he said, so what do you think about it? What, what do you think about where I'm at? What's going on? You know, advice, tell me. I said, listen, you're saying all the right things, but do you really mean it? Everything you're saying is spot on. I mean, you're, you're, it sounds right where I think you need to be, but <laughs> do you really mean it? Because sometimes we like to kind of put on that facade too, right? And, and want, say the things we know you want to hear, but down deep not really work through the things we need to be. You can say the right things, but have the wrong motive. Paul had this lens of goodness no matter what he was going through. He's in prison. He says, all good, still going to spread the gospel, and he did. These people are out here talking bad about me. All good, because Jesus Christ is still being proclaimed. And it makes me think, how can we be more like that? How can we choose Christ over our circumstances when we find ourselves in these situations? Rather than falling into the valley deeper and deeper, how can we choose Christ and trust in him? The second thing. Second thing we pull from Paul here is to choose to rejoice. Choose to rejoice. Going back to verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but, with, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Philippians is this small little book, just four little chapters, but he talks about rejoicing, being joyful, having joy over and over and over. And let me just remind you again, he's in prison. He's in prison and he keeps pushing this message of joy, joy, rejoice, celebrate. Monday night in our ministry team meeting, Dustin asked us the question, hey, how joyful are you? How much joy do you have in your life? And um, I had to really like pause and be like, well, I need to think about this for a second. And I think the whole room really was kind of in the same boat. It was like, uh, Zach, was, Zach was like, yeah, man, let's go. <laughs> Everyone else was like, oh, I need to work on this a little bit probably. And, and we talked about joy is this foundational, this deep kind of thing. It's not just being happy for a moment, but it's this like deep joy that we have in Christ. 
And that's, that's what Paul would define rejoicing as, is full of joy in Christ. Christ says, or, or Paul says, I am, I'm going to rejoice because Christ is being proclaimed. I will rejoice. I will rejoice because I know that I will be delivered. This word deliverance here, the Greek word for it is soteria, which means to be saved or preserved. So as you dive into this deliverance word, you know, you could take it a, a few different ways, like deliverance, being saved, preserved. Uh, are we talking about eternal salvation here? That's no, a possibility. Uh, are we talking about being delivered from prison? He's in prison. So are we talking about physically being saved from his circumstance? I don't think that's what he's talking about here. I think that preserved part of it is more so speaking to this holistic spiritual goodness, this spiritual growth, this spiritual maturity, this, this spiritual uh, where you're advancing. That preserved piece kind of goes down a path of, well, it's like... Um, it's like in this moment, are you growing spiritually and drawing closer to him? Um, so when we talk about good, because God wants good, he, he's working for the good. We talk about this all the time, right? So when we think of good, we think of good as, yeah, I like it. Good is what I like, right? When it, when it, when it feels good and when it's fun, when, like that's good. But God is talking about good as in what's good for you, what's good for you. And sometimes that doesn't always feel good, certainly sometimes in the moment. But God is looking for your good, for your growth, for your maturity, for your, your spiritual goodness and wholeness. And so, so Paul is saying, I will rejoice because I know through this, I am going to be more whole. I am going to be stronger. I'm going to, be, I'm going to grow spiritually, more mature through this. I will rejoice because I'm going to be better. Anyone else want to get better? Right? So I will rejoice. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 says, And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Exalt in our tribulations? What? Knowing that tribulations bring perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So listen, tribulations, circumstances can lead to perseverance. I want more of that. Will lead to stronger character. I want more of that. More hope. I, I want more of that. So I will, I choose to rejoice. One little bit that I'm not going to linger on, but I just love this, is that in this, this uh, verse, he says that, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers. 
it's really easy to throw away prayers. It's really easy to think of prayers as not doing anything because many times we can't see what all is going on when we pray. But here, Paul is sending a letter to the Philippians and he's saying, listen, I'm going to be delivered. I'm going to grow. I'm going to mature. I'm going to persevere through your prayers. And so we've got to be praying for one another. We've got to be praying for one another so that that spiritual wholeness and goodness, perseverance and character, we can continue to grow together. But we must choose to rejoice. We are to be a joyful people. We are to be the light of the world. Not many people are going to be wanting to uh, jump on board to folks that are just kind of, but you see people that are full of joy, that deep joy where they're joyful and they're living life together. That's something that people want to be a part of. We must choose to rejoice because it allows us to be more effective in what he has called us to. The third thing, the third thing we can pull from Paul is choose Christ over your comfort. Choose Christ over your comfort. When we go to verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's got all sorts of things in this passage where you're like, that's not what I would think. (laughs) But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Amazing perspective. Yet, to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Even at the end of that, (laughs) Paul's like, yeah, I know you guys really think highly of me, and you have all this confidence in in me, but he's just like, Christ, it's not about me. It's about Christ here. He says, doesn't matter. Death, did you like that? (laughs) Um, Death or life, it doesn't matter. It's like hard to even like wrap my mind around that. He said it doesn't matter because if I die, I get to be with Christ. This isn't a like self wishing of death or harm or anything like that. This is just simply, I just, I can't wait to to be with him. I had lunch with a different buddy uh, at a different time. And if you're thinking, gosh, this guy eats a lot, you're right. Um, But he shared over lunch that uh, he had this dream. And in this dream, he was in heaven 
with Jesus, and he said it was. It felt so real. He is like I can't. You could see it as he's like explaining it. I. It felt so amazing. Like I didn't want it to end. I just and now I, I I want that again. Like I want to feel that again. Like I'm with Christ. And Paul is saying exactly that. I I just wow. I can't wait to be with Christ. But if it's life, if it's life, I am going to be all in on what God has told me and called me to do. He says, if I die, that's for my benefit. I get to be with Christ. But if I live, it's for him and for you all. Because there will be fruitful labor that's going to come from me, and it's going to be for your joy. It's going to be for the progress of your faith. Because while I'm here and while I'm living, it's all for him. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and the band can come on up. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Because he gave himself for me, everything I've got is for him now. Everything that I am, everything that I've got, it's all for him. Yeah, if it's life, it's all for you, Lord. My identity You have ownership of my life. It's all for you. Whatever time you choose to give me, you know, on this world, it's yours. That time, even with the busy schedules, that time is yours. Whatever you want me to do with it, it's yours. That the skills the talents, the giftings that you've given me, it's yours. I'm going to use it for your glory. I'm going to use it for the furthering of your kingdom. It's yours. The the provisions, the things that you've provided to me, God, it's yours. I I choose to be generous. I, I choose you over my comfort, and it's yours, whatever you want. It's yours. You own it all. Because you gave it all for me. My, my uh, hyphenated word for the year is bond servant. And it, it really came from the beginning of this book, Philippians. Because as I read that, I really, really wanted to live that out. Now, this is hard. 
this is hard to do, right? It's hard to uh, truly just like selflessly be all in and always be for him. But I shared with the, the ministry team, like what I want in my life is as I want to be ready at any moment to do whatever he wants me to do, wherever I'm at with whoever I'm with, like I want to do what he wants me to do. I've shared this exact example and I've been doing this, but, um, and it's kind of exciting. It's kind of exciting to like get outside of myself and start looking around and looking to others and ask the Holy Spirit, like, what do you want me to do right now? You know, what, what, how do you want to use me right now? So now when I pump the gas at the gas station, I get it going and I turn around and I'm just praying, God, if you want to use me right now, if you want me to go say something to any of these people right here, like, use me. I'm here for it. When I go into the store, as I try to make eye contact with people, and, you know, I say try because we all, like, walk by each other, like, you know, (laughs) trying not to make eye contact. But, like, just to, like, flash a smile at someone. How refreshing is that nowadays just to be able to, like, make eye contact and smile and say hello. Use me however you want me to. You made a way for me. You went to a cross for my sins. I choose you over my circumstances. I choose to rejoice. I choose you over my own comfort. Because we've all been called to the same mission that Paul was almost 2,000 years ago. We're all called to advance the gospel. In the perspective that we see Paul have, that no matter what's going on in life, I am just about you, Christ. I'm just about you. I choose you. Can we all close our eyes real quick? God, we love you so much. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us with this perspective that Paul had. He was just unshakable, immovable. Like, it didn't matter what was going on around him. He had that faith and that trust in you. And God, we want to thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for our sins, that you would give your life. You would give your life for me. So God, it's my privilege and it's my honor to be your bondservant, to to live this life fully for you that everything I have, God, I choose to follow you. That I put all my trust and all my faith in you.
prick our hearts, Lord. Prick our hearts so that we don't get too hung up in our own stuff, in our own lives, in our own distractions, our own chaos, but that we would keep you focused. We would keep you at the center and we would live our all for you. We would give our all for you. Help us, Lord, today to truly fully commit to you. In Jesus' name, amen.